welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning again. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Um, Brother Brian and Sister Jessica have taken some time off this week, much deserved. Um, it's a necessary that our pastor on occasion is able to get away, recharge, and rest. Uh, very vital, and we're so thankful for him. We're thankful that he has that opportunity. And of course, I'm thankful. Uh, it gives me an opportunity to deliver today's message. Uh, so I'm so thankful to God first and foremost for laying this task upon my heart, but to Brian for entrusting me when he's away to this. And, and I'm so thankful. I have prepared a message for today and I have uh, titled it, uh, The Christian's Walk. And I, it's very, very important as a Christian in our walk to be mindful that there's reasons for that. Of course, the very most important thing that a person should come to know is Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Hands down, that is the most important thing that all people should accept that gracious gift that God has offered us. But as we do that, it don't end there. Once you do that, you start a wonderful journey. And it's, uh, we don't, it don't, he doesn't fix us overnight. He didn't me. Uh, it begins a journey, a, a wonderful journey. And there's important, important things that we need to know that come through this journey. Uh, first and foremost, it's important to us to walk worthy of God because he deserves that for what he did for us he loves us so much even yet while we were sinners he sent his son to die for us that's some love we owe it to him to walk worthy and there's another important thing that is that helps us as an individual uh, christian it helps us walk the walk. It, it gives us strength. You know, when, when you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, He empowers you. That moment, you're saved forever. And He empowers you. And then we start a journey where we learn. We learn how to draw close to Him. How to use that power He's given us. And so it's vital that we, through our Christian walk, we draw close. We stay in His Word. We, we grow and mature. And, and in this message, we're going to talk about that. So that's another important step. And then the, the, the last step I want to point out before I begin my message is, as we grow, as we walk this journey with Christ and walk worthy of Him, as we become better at it, um, I kind of show my age here. Some of you may remember, some of you won't. You remember the old movie Saturday Night Fever? Do you remember when John Travolta walked that sidewalk, given that walk? That's us. When you walk worthy of Christ, 
you walk with that confidence and then everybody around you sees you and they say I want that it's our biggest witness so it becomes very important that we walk worthy so I've entitled this this message today the Christians walk and I, I threw in a subtitle the subtitle is we are all called to minister and if you have your Bibles, if you'd start opening them, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And while you're turning there, I was kind of, I was wanting to give you a little background on the book of Ephesians. Of course, uh, the book of Ephesians was written to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was a capital of a Roman province in Asia Minor. It's known today as Turkey. Ephesus was a major trade route, large population, big place. It also boasted a pagan temple there. Uh, the pagan temple was uh, dedicated to the, the goddess Diana. Uh, the Greek name for Diana was Artemis. Uh, it was also one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Ephesians, the book of Ephesians was the first of what is referred to as the prison epistles. Uh, the other three was Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And we had some discussion in Sunday school earlier, it may be Philemon. Not sure how to pronounce that. And it, of course, the Apostle Paul penned this epistle while he was in his first imprisonment in Rome. Uh, that imprisonment lasted around two years. Uh, Paul preached and ministered in Ephesus approximately three years. And after him, uh, I believe it was Timothy that preached there for a year and a half. So it gives you a little background on the book of Ephesians and uh, the city of Ephesus. So if you've uh, gotten there in your, in your uh, Bible, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 17. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness let us pray Heavenly Father we just thank you again for this day you've given us this time to come together in fellowship with our brothers and sisters and study of your word and father we pray that you use your word to write it upon our hearts that we may grow that we may grow worthy of our walk with you and father that you will receive all glory given and do you and father we just pray you be with us today that you you guide our thoughts that we honor you in all we have in Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Well, Paul, in writing this epistle uh, to Ephesus, and you can say this letter was written to us too. So in, the, in this epistle written to us, in the first three chapters leading up to this chapter, chapter 4, he lays the groundwork for letting us know what we are in Christ Jesus. He starts telling this in these earlier chapters. He tells us about the, what God has done for us by Christ Jesus, and he tells us about the power available us through the Holy Spirit. He also tells us that God has equipped us. He has equipped us with all that is necessary to walk worthy. You see, trying to walk without the aid of all that God has given us, all that he has done for us, it would be simply frustrating and it would be futile. If you think about as a parent, and if you're not a parent, really we can all relate to this because we've all been born. But when you receive that beautiful gift in a precious baby, that baby comes into your arms. It is completely dependent upon the caregiver. It can do nothing for itself. It can't feed itself. It, it's, it can do nothing. And so over time, as this baby grows, it begins to get to a point where it can roll over. And then as it continues to grow, then it starts to crawl. And then as it continues to grow, it begins walking. Much like us, when we come to know Christ, the, God's Word tells us that we begin babes, infants in, in our faith. Same process. The baby didn't come out starting to walk. It came out. It needed to learn how to roll over. It needed to learn how to crawl. And then it began walking. It's a necessary order or progression, much like our walk with Christ. Now, after spending the first three chapters telling us all that God has done, now Paul, in chapter 4 of Ephesians, is transitioning He's transitioning to saying, now you walk worthy. When I was studying for this and I was reading many commentaries and I was researching, I ran across a commentary wrote about Paul and I, I thought it interesting so I wanted to read it. And this commentator wrote, Paul wrote Ephesians to help his readers better understand the dimensions of God's eternal purpose and grace and come to appreciate the high goals God has for the church. In these verses in chapter 4, it is the walk of the believer. As a new person in Christ, a new person. You've, you've came to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're washed new now. His blood has washed you clean, white as snow. So you ask, how are we to live? Well, the, question, or the answer is that we are simply to live as Christ Jesus. Look in verse 17, where I just read, and we'll start at the beginning of the verse. Fourth letter, a fourth word in in, in, uh, in my Bible, 
This I say therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, and first off, it always makes me think of Brother Charles Fletcher. In our soap studies, when we do our adult studies on Wednesday night, we use a, sort, a SOAP. It's an acronym. It's a format of study. It's really good. If you've, if you've never been able to come, you should come. But we, we go through verses and we take turns talking about what these verses are saying to us, how God is working in our lives and how we're going to use them going forward. And, and every time, Brother Charles, we come to, therefore, uh, it always sticks out to me. He always says... And when I see therefore, I always wonder what it's there for. I don't know why, but that always sticks out in my mind, Brother Charles. But therefore, in the Bible, when you run across this word, what it is doing, it is simply pointing back to a previous point made. So as you go through your Bible, as you study your Bible, and you see these words, you understand why they're there. It's pointing back to a previous point. So we see one right here in verse 17. So there's a previous point that's been made. So I want to go back to that point, and it happens to lie at the beginning of chapter 4 in verse 1. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech, ye, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing any or forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, as you see, when we start verse one, we see another therefore. And we know that that word is placed there, pointing back to a previous point that was made. And the previous point that he is pointing back to in these scriptures is the points that I just mentioned in the previous chapters. Those points are what we are in Christ, what God has done for us by Christ, and about the power given us through the Holy Spirit. So, see, essentially, Paul is tying all these verses together with these therefores. In verse 1, of course, he identifies himself, the prisoner of the Lord. That is Paul in his imprisonment. And then he goes on in verse 2 to say, or at the end of verse 1, to say, walk worthy. Walk worthy. In verse 2, he mentions, with a lowliness and a meekness. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus told us, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Lowliness and meekness. Have you ever noticed... When God speaks to you, he always speaks in a small, still, quiet voice. He always does. I noticed um, when I began my journey with him, I've always considered myself quite hard-headed and quite stubborn. And there was times where I was like, God, why don't you just yell at me? I might get it right this time. He should just say, Jared, turn left. Got it. But our God, he don't speak that way. He always speaks in a small, quiet, still voice. 
You ever wondered why that is? Because when you speak in a quiet, soft voice, it resonates with your senses. Have you ever noticed also when people are out there or unbelievers or the unsaved, those who are rebelling against God, they always want to yell. Rah, 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 rah. When somebody yells at me, I tend to turn them off. Maybe you're that way. Somebody yells at you, you tune them right out. But not God. When he speaks, he speaks in a small, still, quiet voice. Lowliness before Christianity had a very bad association with it. Was not a place that you wanted to be. But lowliness now is a glorious Christian virtue. I'm going to flip over, uh, if you'll flip over past Ephesians to the very next book, which is Philippians chapter 2. You don't have to, I'll read it. Philippians chapter 2, very, nice, very next book after Ephesians. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. Chapter 2, verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. And vainglory simply means pride. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look, at not, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and the things under the earth. Amen. You should underline those words. You should highlight those words. Circle them. Those verses, when you need them, go back to them. Those verses, what they mean to us is they mean that we can be happy, we can be content that we are not in control because our king is in control. God's word also tells us that you're either a slave to sin or you're a child of God. You're either a slave to sin or a child of God. There's no in-between. And in none of that are we ever in control. Something that I had a hard time learning. For 47 years, I wanted to be in control. And then I finally give up on that when I couldn't do nothing. Because you're either a slave to sin or you're a child of God. And we can take comfort that our king is in control.
Let's get back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. He goes on to say, after loneliness and meekness, with long-suffering. Long-suffering in the Greek literally means long-tempered. It is defined as the spirit that has the power to take revenge, but never does. That's profound to me. The spirit that has the power to take revenge, but never does. That's long-suffering. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. I've struggled with that one. Be patient with all. I know a lot of people struggle with patience. But he tells us right here in God's word, be patient with all. In verse 3, he goes on to tell us endeavoring, which is attempting, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In other words, a humble, forgiving attitude towards each other fulfills the gift of the unity of Spirit. Now, I wondered, you may wonder, what is the unity of Spirit? I got an answer. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So the unity of spirit is us all striving together for the faith of the gospel. So now that we've covered this previous point made, let's go back to verse 17 where we started. We see the therefore pointing back to that point which we just discussed. And what it tells us, church, what it tells us, followers of Christ, Paul is saying we're to be long-suffering, we are to be patient with all, and we are to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, bearing all those in mind, in verse 17, he, he goes on to say, no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. The Bible, uh, when you read it, it commonly refers to Gentiles as the unbelievers, as the unsaved, as the worldly. Because he says, right after that, that these Gentiles walk in vanity or futility of their minds. Unbelievers, Gentiles, are intellectually unproductive. Their life is empty, their life is vain, and their life is without meaning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it reads, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, to God. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now this does not mean that man 
in this world today in his rebellious state against God cannot have great achievements. We see that all over. We see people out there that in our world they're obviously unsaved. They have great fame. They have great wealth. They have power. But what these verses are telling us, it means that all such achievements fall short of true wisdom. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We see next, as we continue through these verses in verse 18, he says, Because of the blindness of their hearts, their understanding is darkened. They're alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them. And it is because of the blindness of their hearts. So fundamentally, the ignorance and the lack of understanding of man is a heart problem. And we've seen these uh, terrible, senseless mass shootings, these killings that we see in our world today. Um, in other countries that have gun control, you see it with machetes and with cars. And people holler, it's the guns, it's the machetes, it's, it's none of that. God's word tells us it's a heart problem. That's the problem. The heart problem is shown not only in a foolish denial of God, but also in their moral failures. Today, in these times that we live, people are callous. They're no longer sensitive to pain. They have a blindness of their heart. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it reads, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their hearts were darkened. But once they are past feelings, you see, it's a progression. It's a, when you're a Christian, you're in a walk with Christ. When you're not a Christian, you're in this walk. And this is where it leads. Once they are past feelings, or feelings for anyone, no longer sensitive to pain, or the pain of others, we see in verse 19, he tells us that at this point they have given themselves over into lasciviousness. That's a big word. And it simply means a sin that flaunts itself, no sense of shame or fear. Then comes uncleanness with greediness. Uncleanness generally refers to sexual impropriety. And I'm not going to go into details about that one, but we see that in our world today. So Paul has described in these verses the way Gentiles walk. The last word in verse 19 is with greediness. 
Today in, in this world, there are two powerful motivators in the world that move man. Everyone is moved by one of these two motivators. People are either motivated by love or they're motivated by greed. The person apart from Christ is motivated by greed. We see the results all around us in the world today. The person who is in Christ is motivated by love and we see that in our churches today. What we believers do, we do in the name of Christ. What we believers do, we do for Christ. For the love of Christ constrains me. Thus, we are giving because we are motivated by love. Those motivated by greed, they're only interested in getting what is in it for me. Have you heard that today? But we Christians have learned. We have learned Christ according to verses 20 and 21. Those who have learned Christ are saved from the darkness and the defilement which others lie under. 1 John chapter 4 verse 7, it reads, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. We also know he is truth. 1 John chapter 4 verse 6, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. In verse 22 of these passages, we are told to put off the old man. The old man is simply who we used to be, our former life, who we were before Christ. In Romans chapter 6 verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. He then tells us, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be made new. Romans 12 verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So again, we were told in the earlier chapters of this book of what God in all his glory has done for us. We were told of the power available to us through the Holy Spirit. We were told that God has equipped us. He's equipped us with all we need to walk worthy of him. Now we must walk worthy. Not walking as the worldly, but in verse 24, he says, walking in which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Liv, if you'd start coming forward. I want to take this moment of invitation, more of a moment of reflection. Paul has laid out right here a journey. You know, I mentioned earlier, you're either a slave of sin 
or a child of God. So you're on one of these two journeys. And you're in here today, you're, you're a Christian, you've given your life to Christ. I just want you to think about, I want you to reflect for a moment, am I walking worthy? You know, if you're, if you're one of those that, that I, I go to church once a Sunday, every Sunday, uh, and I read my Bible two or three, four times a week, if I'm not busy, that's not work, walking worthy. Reflect on that. Draw to him for what he did to uh, for us. We should give him everything we got. We should give him all we have. Make it a point each and every day. Read your Bible. There is so much in there. So much power. He has given us this power. The moment you accepted him as your savior. He empowered you. We got to learn how to draw it. He is just waiting to pour blessings upon you. He will strengthen us all. And as we grow in our faith, then we will walk worthy. And we will give him what he so richly deserves. So think about that today. If you're not sure how to do that, go to church every Sunday. Read your Bible every single day. Get up an hour early if you need to. Whatever it takes. Dig into his word. Call upon him. Talk to him every minute. You're not doing something. And you got to make it a point to do that. Volunteer. We have a lot of ministries here. Volunteer to help. That's how you start. That's how I started. And I'm doing this. I don't know how to do this. I have no idea what I'm doing. But he has empowered us. He's given us that power. You just got to call upon it. And he'll do it. And if you're here today and you have not done that yet, if you still have not accepted that precious gift that he has offered, I just talked about your journey. A Gentile, you saw where the journey goes to lasciviousness, to greediness. Make that step of faith today. Don't let the sun go down without doing it today. He is worthy, and you will never, ever regret it. Amen. So as we sing this song of invitation, reflect on those things. Let's all stand in worship.